another weekend of football behind us. And what a weekend it was. And we also have, as of today, some very, very, very exciting DFB Pokal and FA Cup results to talk about. Uh, sorry, not FA Cup. Uh, Carabao Cup, excuse me. League Cup in England. A massive upset today in Germany. I mean, massive. Massive of mass proportions. And uh, funny enough, the uh, team that got upset, I think we all know who that is by now, but they won 8-0 over the weekend and got knocked out today by a third-tier side. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And, of course, your weekend wrap-up, and we'll talk about what was a travesty for Manchester United fans and their club and the Manchester Derby. And they follow that up with a fantastic performance again today in the League Cup getting soundly knocked out. So they are now done. So this is back-to-back now within a span of three days. Manchester United has lost 3-0 twice. And it's not pretty. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And in addition to that, we also have to talk about the other derby we talked about last weekend, which is El Clasico. And that had some... Some drama to it as well from one Ilke Gundogan, uh, seemingly not so happy with his uh, teammates about their reaction to the loss to Real Madrid. And uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit also about a cautionary tale known as Olympique Lyon and what they are going through in France. A deep dive into what could possibly be one of the most tragic relegations in modern football. But before we do that, I will greet my co-host. Nick, who is joining me right now. Nick, how are you doing, sir? Doing good, man. Just uh, getting the news of the the juggernauts losing to the third tier side not too long ago, and boy, does that uh, does that warm my heart. I love seeing the little guys come out on top. Yeah, so um, you're just joining in. You got you had to uh, to to get done with a little bit of work tonight, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we got to get these people trained up so we can. Uh, we got to get you in here earlier so we can start start getting some uh, some some earlier discussion going on because things are things are things are happening quickly. Absolutely, got to get this, this girl trained up at work. <laughs> Absolutely, oh yeah. Well, um, so let's start right off. Um, it's cold as hell here in South Carolina. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Cold, yeah, well, if you're from here, then, then 60 degrees, you're freezing for sure. It definitely didn't make it to 60 today. So, and, and it was windy. And that's, and I'll tell you, the humidity, when it's cold, it works against you just like it does when it's super hot. And Absolutely. today felt like 45 degrees to me all day. I mean, I had the heat on yeah. at the house. I looked at, I thought about going to the gym. I said, I am too cold. I'm not even going. I'm, I'm, yeah. my bones are frigid. I'm just going to sit back and lay on the couch and sit here in the heat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I pulled, Man, my, pulled my Barcelona sweater out and, and uh, had to take it outside because, boy, it was – that. it's just – it's funny, man. You're so used to the heat here, and then all of a sudden you get hit with 65 or 60 and you're freezing. Like, it's, it's just insane, man. Well, yesterday it was like 78. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, it went down – I mean, overnight it's just insane, man. Like, the temperature change and – I know that's messing with my head. It's like, you know, the sinuses and all, but uh yeah, these drastic temperature changes. Ugh. But let's talk about let's talk about some um let's talk about some drastic changes. Uh speaking of drastic changes, 
one drastic change that I know people are calling for now is uh, this is this is this is not news to anyone, but is possibly the uh, metaphorical head of Eric Ten Hag, or as I like to call him, Eric Ten Seven. Yeah, um, Nick. Yeah, man. Let's uh, let's talk about you and I both watched the Manchester Derby last week. It kind of went just as you and I talked about. We we yeah. we said in last week's episode there was going to be a lot of Manchester City building up, and they were going to carve Manchester United apart because Manchester United were going to play like Fulham or Brighton. Uh, excuse me, Fulham or Bournemouth or Burnley and park the bus against a very, very, um, well, for them, they were outclassed, an outclassed opponent. And their only hope was to catch Rashford either down the middle or between the half spaces or possibly down the wing on a through ball or a counterattack and hope they could get a one-on-one with Ederson, which he actually did at one point and still missed. Yeah. So what are... What are your impressions of that match, Nick? And um, what do you see going forward for United? I mean, you've listened to some of their pundits. What's coming out of their camp? So, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time listen, listening to to them because it's fun, man. It's 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 funny hearing these guys and seeing how they perceive this team. I they they didn't really stand a chance from the start. They did exactly what we said, playing in the. They had everyone in the box, everyone's back. You make a quote-unquote tactical decision to play Maguire over Varane, World Cup winner uh, Varane, uh, multiple Champions League Varane with uh, Real Madrid and, and Ronaldo and whatnot. You choose Harry Maguire over him and uh, ta- for tactical reasons, he said, and immediately I knew the game was going to be bad. Um, there was two missed chances by United and it was exactly what we said. It would be a forward pass to Hoyland or Rashford or an over the top cross. And they both, they missed both of them. So of course they get blanked out. Ederson gets them another clean sheet, but yeah, it was, it was like we say a lot here, man, business as usual, man. Uh, we knew that United didn't stand a chance. It's funny. I want to, I, I should have listened to what we predicted for scores, but I'm pretty sure we both predicted city to win and we probably got close to we the did. total. Yeah. I mean, we both were, were pretty spot on with that, but United fans are, you. it's funny. You got the biggest United pundit as far as not, someone on like Sky Sports, uh, Goldbridge, is making a point to their fans trying to say, okay, I get it, you're 10 hog out, but if you're 10 hog out, what do we What do we do from here? What's your plan? Do we get Hazi Flick? Because he did such a great job with the German national team, and then they don't even have the players to fit his system. Do you get Brighton's manager, Deserbi? Uh well, you also don't have the players to play his type of football either. So what he's trying to get across, and what I understand is, is you you it's deeper than just a manager. Your players are not playing. It goes up to the top to ownership. But mm-hmm. if you want Ten Hag gone, where do you go from there? 
What do you do? Seven hog. Seven hog. Yes. What, what do you do? You, they are, no one can really give a good answer because everyone's saying get Brighton's manager or get Hansi flick because they're available. That's not going to work either. So I think, I don't think he's going to be fired quite yet. I think he's going to go really soon. They're going to keep going along with this, but it's going to, it's going to take, I mean, Pep Guardiola could bump his head, wake up tomorrow and say, I hate city and then go to United. And he still would lose these games because these players are just not playing and they just cannot, they, they are not the caliber that people are used to seeing in Manchester United jerseys. So So, it's just, you, the answer, what I, what do you do? Okay. You're 10 hog out, but let me hear a solution. So I made this argument to a friend over the weekend and I, we were talking, you know, we're not going to do this again, you and I, because we've already done this at least once, if not twice, we've gone down the United roster name by name. And we've talked about who is a bust, who is underachieving, who did they invest well in and who's actually playing. And I, I always come up back to like the one saving grace that they've, that they've had over the past three seasons when they've invested was, you know, Bruno Fernandez. Right. So yeah. Everyone else is almost up for debate or questionable. And that includes pur- purchases such as this year with Onana, right? So we're already like, I was at the, how this conversation started was, was Onana an upgrade over Dehaya? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't, re- I can't really say that. And, it, you know, I mean, because would United have any less or fewer points right now? Had David Dehaya, was he in goal? Were, were he in goal? I don't know that they would or wouldn't. I, I can't. I certainly don't think they'd have less. So it starts. It starts back with the keeper and works its way up, right? We can talk yeah. about Anthony. We can talk about Holyan. We can talk about um, uh, the, um, the uh, yeah Harry Maguire. Sorry, I had a brain fart just like he has most days, all the time, every day. And I can also talk. You know, we 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 can talk about um, the ones that they've been trying to develop for years and years and years, like Anthony Martial and uh, uh, Marcus Rashford. The one kid I see who I do like, and I brought this point up to him, my friend that I was talking to about this match, is Garnacho. Like, he's 17 years old, but he hasn't been corrupted yet by the dressing room and by the, 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 in, like the, the, the culture there, right? So yeah. United under... Alex Ferguson had a winning culture and you know how hard it is to turn around a losing culture in sports. And that's one now that they have maybe not losing, but they, they, they are, they're in a mediocre, they're stuck in mediocrity. Yeah. And I can't imagine that for all these players that United has spent all this money on, that it's a joy to go to work every day, that it's a joy to go to the training ground. That it's a joy to see your teammates and lose 3-0 to, to City over the weekend and then lose again today in the Cup 3-0. And then all the time Sky Sports and St- Stevie Nichol on ESPN and Craig Burnley are talking about how you are terrible and how United are sham and they're a shell of their former selves and they're 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 a club that's only defined by the by the by the badge that it that it that it basically is represented by. And that's it. They're they're that badge is all they have left. They have yeah. There's there's nothing left there's n- nothing left in the last ten years really to show for in terms of winning football. So I said that yeah you could put Jurgen Klopp in there 
or someone like that. But I said you would have to take Anthony and you would have to take um, these players out of that dressing room and that culture. And they would have to play at Liverpool or they would have to play. If you're going to, you had said uh, Guardiola, they would have to go across the town, all across the city and play at the Etihad. He would be able to probably mold them. Were they switching clubs? From yeah. meaning going from United to City, but it like you said, I agree with you. It's not a ten seven problem, a, a seven hog problem. It's not a because Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, yeah, Hansi Flick. What that's a joke. Jupp Heynckes, uh, you could take um, any anybody anybody you want. That, that you just just any manager worth their weight. Um, two thousand four. Jose Mourinho, okay, that guy, right? You yeah, can the great one. You, you, the great one. You can take any manager from any period of time, and they would not be able to fix the problem that is currently at United. No. So then, so then, if it's not the manager, Nick, then what is the problem? It just it it's just the club, man. I just I feel like this thing is cursed. It's like ever since they got rid of Ferguson, this this. They've just been since the selling of the club, man, and Ferguson gone. It's 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 like a, it's like a disease, like a like a rotten apple in your batch just spreads to every apple, and then it's all bad. I mean, I've you know, and it's funny they'll win like these mean. Well, I, I say meaningless cups, but you know, it's a trophy, so sure they won. I think they won the FA last year or the EFA. Which one, Carabao or the FA? They won one of them last year. And it's almost like a little band-aid to put on over the his his crap performances because really, if I was a United fan, I would just want him to do terrible so I could move on faster. But that brings us back to the question as to what do we do and what's the real issue. I feel it's just up top, man. It's it's up top. The the owners don't let the managers get rid of players like Martial or, you know, Maguire or whoever. Yeah, they wanted to get rid of him last transfer window, but he wouldn't go. I just, I think it's, it's ownership, man. You got to get, you got to go from the top. They, if I were a United sporter, I would have wanted my club to be sold to the Qataris, Qataris and just gotten it over with, with these uh, Glazers. I mean, we know the Glazers very well. That's, you're talking about the Americans. I mean, they got what they own another, they own a sports team here. I forget which one it is. Um, I think but, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Think yeah. Are. You're right. Cause yeah, their stadium was named after them for a little bit, but anyways, it's just an ownership problem, man. These guys don't know what they're doing and they're not letting the managers have full reins. I mean, Ten Hag signed up, Seven Hag signed up for a complete disaster, man. I feel bad for the guy, really. I mean, he just had no he had no chance. It's funny if you watch his tactics and you watch Ajax when he was there playing with people like, you know, uh Frankie DeJong and and Hakeem Zaich, yeah, all of them, they were playing wonderfully. Donnie Vanderbeek, they were great. I mean, hell, they went to the Champions League semifinal. You watch his style of play and how he played. Is he doing that now? No. It, 
and and there's a reason for that. He doesn't have the proper players. Sure, they've given him enough money to spend, but he can't get rid of these players that he has to continually keep playing. So until the top goes, I just feel they're they're screwed. They're they're going to be in the depths of crap for the longest time. And when I say that, that's mid table for United and someone like you know. Aston Villa or Brighton or West Ham or something like, sure, that's okay. But this is United you're talking about. I mean, this is one of the biggest clubs on, on our planet and this is just unacceptable. Okay. So, um, one of the, one of the players that one, one of the plays that stood out, um, and this is the most, this, this, this is just fundamental football, right? So, this was, I believe, I think this was the goal that would, that made it three nil. You you have United uh, City's City are coming down the left the left flank, and there's a cross, and basically Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire both leave uh, the mutant um, basically un, unmarked yeah. right in front of the goal. So. Yeah, yeah. Heather, yeah. So, so Erling Holland is sitting there. I believe Lindel. I believe Lindelof was was marking him. He he. It's almost like he's 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 a magnet towards the ball, but you know the ball is going to end up go, getting crossed because there's no way that 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 the, 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 that anyone's getting through that left side. Harry Maguire standing at the far post, or actually the near post. Sorry, Lindelof. I believe is standing at the far post. Comes up in front of the goal leaving Erling Haaland of all people unmarked on the far side. Easy yeah. header. There was – Onana had no chance. No, yeah. I mean, that's not even the keeper's fault, right? I mean, so yeah. that is – Nick, that's that that's uh, that's, fun to, that's that's football 101 right there. I mean, oh, big time. you're going to leave the, one of the best number nines in the world just by himself on an island in front of the mouth of the goal? Yeah. I agree, you man. You have two center backs, two center backs who you paid an ass load of money to uh, or, or to get. Lindelof's part of that. You're talking about that that team that you're talking about that was, you know, the the the, the Dutch. You know, he he comes from that gener- from that same generation of players. Yeah, and Harry Maguire was purchased at around the same time from Leicester. So they spent a lot of money on center backs in the past yeah. five years, and that's what you that that's what you pay to get. Is that? Uh, I mean, I would say it's a lack of caring because there's obviously I think the the actions that were performed were trying to prevent a goal from happening. But you knew there was a cross coming. You have to know who's over your shoulder. Yeah, you move away from that person who is one of the most dangerous goal scorers in the world. And I can't imagine an easier ball for Holland to get. So, oh yeah, I mean, and it's just the, the 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 simplicity of that play is evident of how nonchalant. It's just it's like United just are in a complete fog or haze. Yeah, there is no football no. IQ being used right now. None. I just I feel like they don't want to play for him, man. I mean, I know I say that a lot when we talk about crap teams, but that's what happens. You you get these players who make three hundred thousand a week, and 
no matter what, they're getting that paycheck and they just don't want to play for this manager. And when they do this, they feel like the manager is going to get fired and they'll be in good graces for the next manager who comes in and because they can blame the manager instead of their performances. And then they, they're good to go and they'll keep playing. Well, I just, they, I hate to break it to them, man, but playing like this is making them look, the individual players look terrible and it's it's not it's just not a good look for them individually and as a team collectively. I mean, you got people calling for Bruno to lose his captaincy, which he should. I mean, I don't know who else you can give it to. You give it to Varane or some someone with some experience. But these guys just aren't. There's no leadership. They're just. I mean, today in their cup match against Newcastle, they were just walking around. I mean, it was. Mind you, they lost three nothing also, but it was just terrible. I, I mean, these. These guys are not playing at all whatsoever, and we're watching a club go in a tailspin. I, I'm telling you, man, it's if it wasn't for um, McTominay saving them against, I think it was Brentford or maybe Brentford or Bournemouth, then you're looking at three or four losses in a row, and it's going to be even worse. So, yeah, man, we're we're going to be watching them just completely crash out within these next few weeks i mean i'm uh, but it's like every single every single player that you look at right so and like so go back to victor lindelof like like the player that we saw at benfica that you know he's he's been at united now since 20 when i said he was part of that generation i believe uh that ajax that that great dutch generation that i'm talking about that was at ajax i think that was the 2017 18 season or 2018 19 i don't have the numbers in front of me but that was like that uh, Donnie Van de Beek, that that who also coincidentally plays for United, yeah, uh, th- that was him. Aziek, as you mentioned, uh, who else did we talk about? Um, Frankie, oh, Frankie De Jong, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Lindel, so Lindelof was around that time as well from that generation of players that came to United around the same time. They're all within that same kind of three year period, and it, it, you know he's it just like a shell of what he was at Benfica and the same Van de Beek has, has made, I think he's made one appearance so far this season for United. Yeah. Harry Maguire was at least decent at Leicester. I mean, obviously had to be decent to get the, the, the fee they paid for him, but yeah. every single case almost Nick, these players have regressed when they've gotten to United. And that includes oh. the ones that have just gotten there. Like Anthony, like he's, I have seen nothing out of them, and I, I can only attest to it that it's part of the culture. When you go there, something is not right within the culture at that club. It, 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 because it's all like you said, it's like it's it's like it's almost like a disease that spreads. Yeah, yeah, man, it's 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 terrible. It's bad to see. I feel bad for their supporters, even though I enjoy the content I get from it. But until something to- uh, happens up top. We're just going to continually see them crash and burn like this, and I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's sad to see for such a big club. I mean, you being a Liverpool supporter, I mean, it's good for you, you know. I mean, hell, that's one less person you got to worry about up top. But it, it's it's just it shouldn't be happening for them, man. The, the the Glazers need need to get out, and the movement they had for the Glazers out has stopped for whatever reason. And this is what they get. This is what's going to continue to happen, man. 
So what about um, what about city? Did you like what? What did they do? Did they do oh, anything? God, new? Or was it? Oh, they, yeah, they no Kevin. I always say no Kevin, no Bueno, but they they looked good, man. They looked perfectly fine. Uh, uh, even um, uh, Holland played well. You know he he's been coming up with some misses recently, but he did did fine. I mean, the, the play up and down the wings were great. I mean, they didn't have to worry about the back line. Didn't have to worry about much of anything because, um, United had freaking everyone in their mom in the box. So, I mean, this just business as usual for city. I mean, they, they did wonderful, man. It was, it was a fun game to a fun match to watch. Uh, I mean, I couldn't have asked for more being that I wanted to see city, win that was that was something something i enjoyed man i i expect to see city to continue forward and wait till kevin comes back i mean we still got to see kevin back so yeah man this league is 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 looking tight up top and i mean this is this is all we asked for man um kevin comes back in like two months i think so we're gonna see how they do when he comes back i think the I think one of the things that that one of the players that's that's most disappointed, it, most disappointing because of the, the the sheer amount of money they paid for him, and I think may, maybe he was a little bit undercooked when he left Ajax, but but that's uh, you know Anthony, thirty two appearances so far for United, and he scored four goals. That is, I mean, I I, I you know for a for a winger and with his kind of pace and, and and talent that's just yeah. that's just not enough and especially for the fee that they it's an astronomical fee that they paid Iox for his services i mean yeah they paid 160 million for anthony and mason mount and they got zero out of them in the biggest match that united's gonna play zero not to mention they're gonna crash out of champions league and they just crashed out of a another cup so you're flushing toilet or you're flushing uh, trophy chances down the toilet, and I mean it's just getting worse and worse for the the, the supporters. He's the he's Anthony, the third highest third highest Anthony, fee, by the way, in, in in United history. He's only yeah only behind Lukaku and Paul Pogba. They 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 spay, they paid ninety five million euros with a further Sorry. five million for Anthony. Uh, yeah. and that yeah that was the third highest transfer fee in in the entire history of Manchester United. So well, the biggest thing he did was kick Doku. He kicked Jeremy Doku, and Doku said, "What are you doing?" Yeah, I mean that was that was the highlight of his match right there of the match for him was him kicking another City player after just coming on the pitch. I mean, he should have been red carded. I mean, he kicked the crap out of Jeremy Doku. He could have been. I mean, yeah, it was kind of soft. Never mind. I'll take back the red card. But he should have. It was silly, man. That's one. I think one of the first things we talked about. When we talked the other day, you went, did you see Anthony kicking, karate kicking Doku? Like, dude, I mean, come on, man. That's that's what it's come down to now is him coming on the pitch in the 80th minute just to kick one of City's, you know, young wingers. Well, he's also been dropped from the Brazil national squad, and that has yeah. to do more with the domestic violence allegations. Yeah. Um, but I would also say that his performance for United oh, doesn't yeah. warrant a national call-up as well. So, Yeah, someone who likes watching Brazil, I don't want to see him play for Brazil. I don't. I don't want to see that. I'd rather see R- Richarlison or something, you know? 
And that says a lot. That says a lot that you're saying that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's skip to the other derby. Uh, you had some uh, you had some controversy over there as Brazil. I'm mean, Brazil. Barcelona take the early one 0 lead, and it's uh, Jude Bellingham once again with a brace to save Real Madrid's hide yet again. Obviously, great investment on their part this past summer. He has uh, done more than earn the transfer fee. Speaking of transfer fees that were well worth the money, he's done more than than uh, earn what what Real Madrid paid for him. So, Nick, tell us a little bit about what uh, what what did OK Gundogan have to say after the match that has struck up such a nerve with people? He just said I didn't. He he was quoted as saying, you know, I I didn't come here to lose these type of games, and he was looking around the the locker room. And everyone was just lackadaisy, you know, didn't care. Uh, no one was showing any any kind of passion for the loss. Like, sure, I mean, it's just a game or it's just a sport. I, I don't want to say it's just a match because it's Real Madrid. And that's what he was expecting was a little bit more passion. And he openly came out and said, you know, I didn't come here from City just to lose these matches to Real Madrid. and the the reaction he got from his teammates was not what he expected. Now I will say you're talking about a club that has, you know, they're starting a 16, 17 year old. You got, you know, the youngsters uh, playing midfield also. So sure. They might not quite really know what they're dealing with, but you're starting for Barcelona. You're playing in El Clasico and you got Gundo coming out publicly talking about how, you didn't care that you lost to Real Madrid. And then not only did they lose, they were winning. And then they let Jude Bellingham single-handedly bring them back for the win. So he was, he was, uh, he was definitely in the news the day after they were talking about his press conference. And uh, yeah, he was, he was quite upset. I mean, you talking about a guy who just won a treble. Well, I mean, do you, is this one of those situ- is this a situation where again not like as drastic as United but Barcelona had that long standing winning culture obviously going like you know it goes way past this but like if i'm thinking about when i think of Barcelona i started paying attention to la liga i'm thinking like ronaldinho those types of players right then you go into messi suarez uh, obviously came Neymar was a part of that group Busquets those guys right so yeah. my uh, there's been a lot of turnover obviously with Barcelona in the last three to five three to five years we talked about how much debt that they had at one point and they still have signed players obviously Robert Lewandowski has come over from Bayern Gundogan just joined from City this past offseason so is it just that maybe there's just not the same leadership that was there before. You know, obviously there would be somebody in the dressing room, like Lionel Messi is a voice. He is, yeah. he is going. So when you, when you, it's, it's not always just about X's and O's on the pitch, right? It's a, a lot of times there has to be that, that one, that one guy it was, you know, that's what people worried about. You know, talk about, uh, uh, you know, voices in the dressing room, you know, like yeah. when Jordan Henderson left. But you had a guy like Virgil Van Dyke that could instantly fill that role that, that yeah. commanded commanded respect from the other players, had that respect, 
And so it's business as usual. But I'm not sure that Barcelona has replaced some of the the voices they had in the dressing room that were there doing that legendary run, you know, in the early 2000s and the 2010s under, you know, Pep Guardiola and others that were massively successful at the club. So is that, do you think that's what Gundogan's talking about in terms of like, yeah, maybe there's, maybe there's just, maybe there's just not that, um, what's it, the, the, that, that cutting edge there that there's not, there's not as much fight as there used to be with Barca. Yeah. There's not that, uh, not that hunger for yeah. a match like El Clasico, you know, cause apparently the news report, he was quote unquote heated up because the young players were laughing at jokes that they saw on their phone about the match. And he questioned them and asked what's going on. What's so funny. And he was pissed off about it, which as he should be. And hopefully him speaking up and saying something, you know, will put a fire under these youngsters behinds, man. Cause losing El Clasico at home is not something you want to see. I mean, you got over 80,000 fans paying buku bucks for those seats they want to see you win. They don't want to see you blow the game at the end to see Jude Bellingham, you know, win the game for for Real Madrid. So, yeah, man, that exactly. I feel what you said is spot on, man. They're just missing that that uh, that leader, that voice, that guy who's going to say, "Hey, man, there's nothing funny. We just lost to our biggest rival in the biggest match." And you're sitting here laughing at a joke about this match. Like, come on, dude, let's focus, let's regroup, move forward, do better. Instead, you got, you know, these 18 Pedri and whoever, the 16-year-old, they're giggling and chuckling about a match. Sure, they're that young, but come on, man, this is you're being paid millions. And these people, these these people like Gundo, who left a team who won a treble, they want to win, especially matches against Real Madrid. So I mean, you you losing to Real Madrid isn't a big, it's big of course, but I mean, you move forward. Uh, you're expected to to probably either draw or, or win, of course, but you know, you you move on. I mean, they they're they've been in such a a a, a turning period, we can say, because everyone left, like you said. That you know you're going to lose Real Madrid here or there. I mean they they'll have their uh, chance again in um, in a uh, Real Madrid's home, but um, yeah you you just gotta gotta try to be more serious, I guess. Especially around Gundo. Gundo's not playing any games, man. He's 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 about that winning life. I mean coming coming from City, you know he's not going to put up with no foolishness. I, I was glad to see it. I mean, I want to see Barca play a little better, you know? So we have a three-way – well, uh, we could have a potential three-way tie in Spain for first place in terms of points because uh, over the weekend, uh, Girona, also, Girona also won. So they are level on points with Real Madrid at 28. Atletico's at 25. They have um, a game in hand. So if they were to win that – then they would also have 28 points and then Barca's right behind them. So there's between one and four, there's four points of separation, 28, 28, 25 and 24. And Atletico, like I said, could also be in the 28 category. Are you, are you surprised by the table right now in Spain? Is there? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, dude, this is, this is what, 
We were talking about it before, man. Yeah, of course. You you usually think Barca and, and Madrid are going to be at the top cruising. I mean, sometimes you'll see Sevilla or Sociedad or, or Atleti up there, you know, sticking around. But for all of them to be this close, especially adding Yorona in there, uh, it's big. I mean, and, and with them pulling off that, that win, that late winner, that really kept them up. And you can you you're almost to that point in the season. We're almost to Thanksgiving. By the time we get to Christmas, we'll really see. But you can almost say, if they keep playing like this, that we might be able to see them in some UCL matches. And to see them in Champions League would be huge, man. You're talking about a team we talked about it last time two years ago was playing in the second tier of Spanish football. Yeah, they. They're certainly one of the biggest stories in club football this year. The fact that they have stayed up this long in the, in the top yeah. four and Absolutely. not only in the top four, but as I said, level on points with Real Madrid for first place and we're 11 match days in. So this isn't, I, I would say that's a large enough sample size to say that Hirono are probably for real. Now, they're for real through 11 matches, but as we've always said, you know, can they keep it up? And my thought is if they, if they can just keep plugging away, you know, they're one nil over the weekend, they scored at the very death, but yeah, three points is three points. Right. So yeah, absolutely. they just have to keep plugging away and keep getting three points. I think that they can do that. The The question is where does Barcelona fit in now? Right. Cause they're Real Madrid obviously is established. We said, you know, they could go on a, a run at any time of eight consecutive wins. They could take 24 points out of 24. They're just, it's just one of those things. And then it's usually a club like, you know, uh, somebody who you don't expect real Sociedad beats them or something or ends the streak or whether, you know, Bilbao gets them. Yeah. It's, it's a sleepy Sunday afternoon. And, and and Real Madrid just kind of uh, sleepwalks. But make no mistake about it, they can certainly turn it on when they need to. Barcelona, oh, though, that that's a that's a that's a that's a concerning thing though that Gundawan's brought up here, right? So Yeah. If you can't take if you can't take to heart and be disappointed and upset with yourself that you had a one 0 lead against your arch rivals. And you are, are are cutting jokes in the dressing room after the fact that you just watched basically Jude Bellingham kind of single handedly turn the game around, beat you by himself. Then what what matches do you get up for at that point? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, if you're not going to get up for the biggest game in the La Liga schedule, then yeah, what in the world are you you going to get get up for and, and fight for, man? So, uh, yeah, he brought it up. I tell you what, I I will say the the next. El Clasico is going to be a, a, a good one and it's going to be deeper in the season and it's going to mean more because it's going to the whoever's up there trying to get to the top is going to need those points that much more and we're going to see a heck of a match so this only just opens it up for Barca to, to play harder do better and hopefully try to get some points out of this next match yeah it's going to be in Real Madrid but hey you know, anything can happen in these derby matches, as we know. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's, that is true, uh, unless it's, 
Manchester City and United, yeah, United yeah. which, which we <laughs> called it exactly how it was going to go. But yeah, typically, yeah. I mean, even even Everton and Liverpool, right? It was a close match up until ever, until Liverpool got that penalty and, and, and finally uh, opened it up. I could have easily seen that match going nil nil. So you're right. It's it is when it's a derby, you really don't know. But because it's a derby, that's why you want to see that emotion and you want to see the desire to strike back. And, and, and yeah. certainly not to be making fun of things or, or, or cutting jokes after the fact in the dressing room because that, that, that that's a loss that you should definitely at least be frustrated with, if not outright mad. Absolutely. So moving to Germany, we had the first, um, I would say – to see eight nil, what would you call that? Is that a, is that a massacre? Is that what you would call it? Yeah, that's, uh, I told you. Yeah, Darmstadt just needs to quit playing, throw the flag in for the rest of the season, man. Just go down to the second tier and just just see what happens, man. So this, so the the, the first, I was going to say the first of two surprising Bayern results, and I'm not surprised that Bayern beat Darmstadt. I'm surprised that they beat Darmstadt eight nil. And I think it, didn't all eight, eight goals come in the second half? I was going to say. Pause real quick. All eight were in the second half. It was zero right. zero at halftime, and bada bing, bada boom. Harry Kane scoring half field goals, like dude, just yeah. ridiculous. I mean, an absolute joke. Darmstadt should be ashamed of themselves. Right, uh, a complete, complete uh, joke of a result, and they also uh, accumulate two red cards in that same match. Does Darmstadt? Byron got one themselves as well, but uh, Byron they won the red card battle and they also won the the goal battle. Follow oh that up. God. What four days later, three days later, here we are on Wednesday, and Bayern Munich, the twenty time German Cup winners, lose to FC Saarbrücken from the third tier, fifteenth place team in the third tier. Yeah, two to one in the ninetieth plus six. So how do you go I mean that that's that is a that is quite the week that Byron had for themselves in the terms of you go from the highest of highs in terms of what you can do performance wise on the pitch offensively eight goals scored and then you lose to I, I can't even call that I mean I saw Brooklyn was in the first tier when I was a kid they got relegated they've never been back since they they've spent a lot of years in the amateur sides, amateur leagues, they just got back to the third tier. Was it this season or the year before? I believe. And yeah, they, yeah, they just got back to the third tier. Uh, you're right, just a couple years ago. Yeah, I think it was last season. Yeah, and then they slayed the beast, the 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 kings of German football, two to one today. Yeah, so, you saw my reaction. Yeah, I didn't even know. I looked the goal up before we started this, and you, I could not believe my eyes man now it wasn't the same exact Bayern lineup that played over the weekend in Darmstadt but you still had Thomas Miller Joshua Kimmich was out there Kim was out there there's a number of Bayern starters uh Chupa Muting was up front and then later on Musiala came on they obviously were trying to to to, to bring on some star power late to, to see if they could salvage the 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 win and get get advanced to the next round, but not not to be done. I mean, is this a a cause for concern to you or is this more like 
yeah, it's the German Pokal, it's the DFA Pokal, who cares? Obviously, Bayern cares. They've won it 20 times. They take great pride in hoisting that cup. That is not, it is not on the same level with the Carabao Cup, just so you know. I mean, that, that, the DFB Pokal is still taken with, with a, a, a very pretty big degree of seriousness in Germany. So I'm, but the, the Bayern should be able to go out there with their B, if not C squad. Yeah. And win this match. So we are seeing this trend under Thomas Tuchel of a lot of inconsistency. Yeah. A lot, dude. I mean, it, people say, yes, yeah, the DFB Pokal, but you are talking about a team that was just in the regional division and pay, playing the juggernaut Bayern Munich. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's hard to compare to people, man, like the sizes of these clubs and then them beating a team like Bayern Munich. I mean, I, when Freiburg beat them last season, I was shocked. You're talking about Starbrooking, a, a team that, you know, you could walk up to a hundred people out of a hundred and they wouldn't know where, who in the heck you were talking about. 90 or 80 might know Bayern Munich if they're sports fans, but they wouldn't know what Starbrucken is. They would think you're speaking gibberish. This is just big, man. I, I mean, Thomas Thomas Tuchel should be embarrassed, man. He he needs to go sit in a corner somewhere or, or stand on stage and let people throw tomatoes at him, man. He, he deserves to be embarrassed. I mean, you can't field a team of world-class players like Chippo and – Alfonso Davies and, and lose like this. I mean, you just can't do it. Uh, I agree with you. Bayern definitely takes this cup serious. I mean, I witnessed it last year when I saw them lose to Freiburg. They were sick. I mean, it was terrible to see. So I, I don't think there's anything to be concerned with. It's just another day and they're out of the cup. It's bigger for Starbuck. And now Bayern Munich can just forget when cup weeks come, they can just chill and play PlayStation or something, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. they're, they're not they're, this. I think this says more about Starbrooking than it does. Well, yeah, this is the biggest win they'll ever feel. I mean, if you ask me, I mean, I don't know their history like you do. I mean, you said they were in the first tier. It's not, it's not, it's not much history. It's not much. Okay, it's, exactly. It, yeah. So this, this is going to be go down as probably their biggest win ever. So congratulations, man. You knocked Bayern Munich out. You'll most likely exit the tournament next next uh, cup round. You'll probably get paired with Leverkusen or Dortmund or Wolfsburg, and they'll beat you five to nil, and you can go back home. You know, I mean, this story probably most likely ends next round, right? Uh, so, I mean, take it as you will. I just I was shocked when I saw the result. You saw my reaction. I had no clue, and I was blown away, man. Because I, I watched the third tier. You know that. I, I like Starbrook and they're, they're not that bad to watch. They give up fights to get, you know, Verts 1860 and Durston and all those sides. So to see them beat Bayern Munich, it warmed my heart, man. I loved it. So yeah, definitely uh, their biggest but, win in the history of their club, because unless there's like some kind of like pre world war one match that I don't know about, yeah. or, or so, I mean, you know, you, you got to go back in the, the, the super archives, but yeah, modern, modern uh, FC Starbrook. this is definitely their, biggest win in, in the most recent history of their club. And, and it's it, the way that it happened in stoppage time 
just uh, at, at slaying the beast at the very end of it. So this opens up the competition now, obviously, like I said, for a new winner because Leipzig lost today as well as Bayern. So uh, Leipzig, obviously, we're back-to-back defending champions of that. So we'll have a, a, a new winner, <clears throat> somebody from um, somebody from outside the, the Leipzig and, and Bayern realm. But uh, I wouldn't be – you know, people would say automatically – Oh, Dortmund. Dortmund's won it, you know, recently. They've won it twice, I think, in the last six years. But I'm looking at Leverkusen. I'm looking at teams like that. You know, Stuttgart's still alive. They would have a, a, a certainly a, a very good shot at winning it, considering what they've done so far this season. They yeah. suffered their just their second loss of the of the league campaign last weekend as they uh, lost 3-2. to two. But as we said, you know, Girassi's out. So that uh, severely hampered their goal-scoring potential they were down though in that match the whole time and kept coming back they fought and just weren't able to get across the finish line so uh yeah Stuttgart does fall they're still in the top four uh Byron did pull ahead of them but they're still ahead of Dortmund in third place but they would they're going to need their top goal scorer back here quickly oh absolutely yeah man they they need him back I, I agree I I was I, it just sucks that he had to get hurt you know I mean you want to see them continue this this trend of winning? Yeah, I, at least I do. I mean, I, I I love to see Bayern Munich get knocked down. I mean, I, you, as a non biased fan, you just get tired of seeing them up at, up top. So anyone battling and keeping keeping it close is is I'm rooting for them. You know? Yeah, for sure. And that brings us to Leverkusen, who did they you know took care of. Freiburg, which is not an easy task to do. It's uh, obviously was a home match for Leverkusen, but still Florian Wirtz and Jonas Hofmann, they get the job done. 36 minutes, 60th minute, they get goals two to one. They win over Freiburg. Uh, Freiburg did get the one back in the 70th. But yeah, I mean, dominant performance, really, if you think about it for for Leverkusen, they're still, and I, I, I keep waiting. I said, you know, for, I, I keep waiting for the wheels to fall off, but they don't, you know, 18 shots. Yep. Four, four on target, 71% possession, 727 passes to Freiburg's 293 with almost 90% pass accuracy for Leverkusen. Freiburg only has 74% pass accuracy. I mean, it's just they're still ahead. You know, nine nine matches played, eight wins, one draw. The only draw what they had was to Bayern themselves and undefeated. They're Bayern and Bayern, Dortmund, and Leverkusen are the last undefeated sides in the Bundesliga. And... You know, I, I I don't think that Leverkusen are going to drop off. I'm seeing I'm seeing a, a sample size now where I can say, okay, this has become something consistent, something I'm used to, and some way they will find a way to win. And that is something that a lot of competitors that have tried to go up against Bayern in the last ten years have not been able to sustain. So, yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, you think that uh, you agree with me that Leverkusen seem to be the real deal. Absolutely. Dude, this is, yes. Oh, yeah. Because now I feel with, you know, Bayern Munich out that competition, they got to be favorites, right? I mean, you got BBB, but they're king dingalings. They, they'll, they'll crash out quick before you know it. So, and even if they don't crash out, Leverkusen, I feel, is playing so well, they would, they could handle uh, BVB in a final. Granted, they both make it this far, but the things that are happening with Leverkusen right now are just are, are just amazing, man. I mean, today it was two two to two at the end of the match in Polkow, and I mean, 
at will, they just scored two or three goals in the last five minutes and, and just said, okay, goodbye. We're done with you. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's great to see, man. I mean, this, this is, uh, the, it's funny. We started this podcast and now we have all these close competitions. If we were doing this three years ago, we wouldn't even be talking about Germany. I mean, think about it. Bayern Munich would have the league locked down by Christmas, dude, and we're done. So, I mean, to to have it where it is and to have them looking as good as they do is, is wonderful. I mean, um, Alonzo has these guys playing out of their mind. I mean, these guys are playing like, like, like they're Bayern Munich from three years ago, you know, dropping five or six, taking no names and just kicking, kicking these teams behind, man. Yeah, it is uh, for sure a different different age than it was uh, five years ago because it would have been it would have been over by by Thanksgiving for sure. It Absolutely. has been many many times before that. So oh god, yeah. So had some exciting action over the weekend in Italy. Uh, Serie A was uh, really one of the more uh, just really exciting leagues. Lazio scored a last-minute winner, Chiro Immobile, with a penalty in the 90th plus five. They they yeah. went over Fiorentina, so Lazio uh, much needed three points for them. Napoli and Milan match of the week. Obviously, that was uh, Sunday. They go they draw two to two. So uh, Giroud actually with the brace, but Raspadori and Politano they get Napoli on the scoring board, and uh, yeah, so two two is how that one ends. Juventus squeaks out a winner against Hellas Verona. And even though Roma was in form, Inter still just a little too much. Marcus Turam, 81st minute. They, yeah. uh, and, and honestly, they dominated. I mean, if you look at this statistically, but, you know, it's, it's yeah. typical typical Roma performance, right? But 19 shots for Inter to three for Roma. One shot on target yeah. for Roma the whole match. They had 37% possession. Roma did 351 passes to Inter's 572. And enter again, they almost 90% pass accuracy to uh, Roma 78%. This was a, a hard fought battle. The, the San Siro, you know, enter needed the three points. They stare now uh, two ahead of Juve for first place. But Juve do something, they go from third into second. They have now moved past Milan, and Milan dropped to third place. So it's. Uh, starting to, it's, you know, Milan's starting to, to, in the last two matches, they've drawn and they've lost after three consecutive wins. So they're starting to fall off just a little bit. Juve on the other side has won three in a row, and Inter has won three of their last four. So starting to see some patterns develop here. And you mentioned um, Atalanta. They've won back-to-back yeah. games, so they're now in the top four. So yeah. there, so there's there's some interesting stuff happening in Italy right now, and Napoli out of the top four, officially now in fifth place with that draw to Milan. So... What are you what are you seeing in Italy that you like right now? I'll tell you both games from the top two. Uh it's kind of funny. They were both very similar because you you had one the home side dominating and Juve won last second or last minute on yeah, 90 a, plus uh, six. Yeah, Cambiasso. Yeah. yeah. 90 plus six. Yeah, Cambiasso scored in stoppage, one nothing. And then you had Inter completely dominate Roma. And they scored, of course, not in stoppage, but Thurman came on and, and scored a, a, a goal to put them up. So both games were – I actually – I listened to Juventus and then I watched Inter. And 
they both just seemed so it was funny man they it was like the same damn game zero zero into the 80th like what's gonna happen are we gonna get to see a goal and then fortunately we got to see one in the Juve game we had two goals by Keane called back that was was not very exciting to see but of course we we had to have VAR messing with uh messing with our matches here and um yeah man I I it's I didn't think Juve would be able to be in second at this point and here they are man sneaking up jumping over a couple sides and uh I have to say as a as a when I first started following football Juve was always at the top and seeing them do decent it kind of it, it I enjoy it. I like to see them do well. I mean, I, I know a lot of people don't like Juve because they were so good. It was kind of, it's funny. They, they were kind of like Bayern Munich and PSG have been, and they were always running the show in Serie A, but yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't mind at all. I'd like to see Atlantia go, go up more, a little bit more. I, I like their Nigerian striker Lookman. He's, he's been playing very well. He, and he's actually getting a chance on the national team. So yeah, yeah, it, we have a great table here in in, in Italy, and uh, it's it's uh, it's almost like a flashback to the past with Inter yeah. and Juve up top, right? <laughs> yeah, this is this is uh, yeah, I, I've often referred to it as the uh, the 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 table of my childhood because it is it's Inter, it's Juve, it's it's Milan, and those three are the traditional Italian powers. I mean, those are the three. It yeah. doesn't get any better than that, and they're they're one yeah. two three right now. I still think it's Inter's league to lose. I, I I think that over the course of 38 match days, I like what they, I like what what Inzaghi has in terms of his tactics, his approach to the match, and barring any kind of major injury to like someone like Lautaro Martinez or anything like that, I I like that Inter is probably going to be more consistent over 38 matches. I think that they have a better way of of finding a, a, a way to win, breaking you down, scoring goals when they need to. I like, you know, I'd say Juve got lucky at the end. I also think yeah. Lazio got lucky, something like that, you know? And so Juventus has the opportunity, I feel like, to probably to to lose. Basically, they, they're going to do what Inter used to do and lose some matches to, to, to teams they shouldn't lose to. Inter were yeah. notorious, you know, five, six years ago. Um for losing matches, you know, to like Sassuolo or Bologna, to, to, to they had no business losing to, and that's yeah. how they would drop. That's how they would draw points. And yeah, they have somehow. Uh, well, since um, since Conte came in, that seems that problem seems to have gone away. So they they win a lot of the matches that they are supposed to win now. So clubs that they are obviously better than, and it basically comes down to now. Who is going to win between the big four, the big five, or the big six in Italy? Who's going to win those yeah. matches like into Roma? That's why that was such a huge match because, yeah. you know, Roma was in form. Inter has to grind it out. They win, but that's one that you can cross off your list. Okay, we got Roma taken care of. Then you want, you know, they've already beaten Milan so far, uh, destroyed them 5 1 a couple weeks ago. Then, of course, you always have the Juve match is huge. If you can win more of those than not, and then just take care of business against those that you know you should. I like Inter's chances doing that better. I think they have a a, 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 a roster and a manager that's set more 
to doing that over the course of 38 match days than anyone else does. And I don't want to take anything away from from Juventus in terms of their quality. It's just not the same Juventus that it was yeah. five, six years ago with that back four. And they had uh, Dybala. You had uh, even Cristiano Ronaldo just a couple of years ago was banging goals in for Juventus. They were they were still winning the Scudetto. It's it's not that same. It's not that same Juventus. If you you know what I'm saying. I mean it's 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 yeah, absolutely. They're in a Dude, little bit of a still of a rebuild. I remember when I first you know started following this beautiful game. Inter Milan was. Mid table, bottom table, dude. I'm talking about 2015. I mean, I remember. Yeah, that's people, a, that's a mid table inter side for sure. Yeah, yeah, dude. I I remember people being like, yeah, Inter Milan. They 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 used to be this and that, and I'm like, bro, they're terrible right now. And thank goodness we've seen that turnaround to now. Now, make I mean, they them, won. The, yeah, they won the treble in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So so see, and it's it's funny, man. I had no clue. Like my buddy in Sumter, South Carolina of all places found an inner Milan Jersey at Goodwill. And I'm like, dude, that team's terrible. And he's like, bro, they used, you know, they were winning this and that and all that. And I'm, I had, you know, I had no idea. Now you're seeing that inner Milan of, of past, you know, seeing Juve and inner up top is, is, is that flashback of the past that I was saying, you know? I, oh I, yeah. I that took, champions league run they made last year is something that you, in the, in the late two thousands under uh, Jose Mourinho, that's something you would see all the time. They were yeah. near, near the, the, the champions league final or either in it. And then 2010, they won that the Copa Italia and the Serie A. they won the treble. He walks off into the sunset to Real Madrid. And yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing left at that point. There's nothing left for you to do it. Enter. I mean, he, he, he won, he won it all. And yeah. mind you, they had just sold. Uh, they had just sold Zlatan a couple of seasons uh, before they won the treble. So I mean, he wasn't even on that squad. And, oh, and okay. They still, yeah, but he was. Didn't playing they get them. Samuel Ital from Barca too? They got him for yeah, that so, year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm. So there, Good. there's. Uh, yeah, but they had like Mykon. They had so many great players. Uh, for that, that, that you know that that Inter Milan team. And uh, of course, Javier Zanetti. I mean, that it's Argentinian uh, icon of, of football. Yeah. He was basically plays entire career basically for Inter Milan. Fantastic footballer at every single level of the sport, and to see him hoist that trophy. So yeah, you're seeing a little bit. You're seeing a renaissance of Inter. Yeah. You know, the last four seasons, they have been to a Champions League final. They've won the Scudetto. They've won uh, a back-to-back Coppa Italia, so you're yeah. I, that's why I say they they're more seasoned right now, and Juventus is Juventus is back on the uptick. They're trending back upward, but they're not quite there yet. I, I they could they win it, sure, but yeah. I, I I still think it's Inter's league to 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 win or lose. Yeah, and I agree with you. They're too strong. Yeah, just way too strong. Up and up and down that lineup and roster, they're they're too strong. I agree. Adam Thurman too, and 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 whatnot. That's that was just too much of a of an addition. They they're gonna win those one nothing games every time over these other teams. So it's just it's theirs to lose. That's for sure. One one more quick thing to hint about before we move on to the French league, and then we'll hit our our our, our club spotlight because we're going to talk about uh, Olympic Lyon. The uh, Premier League wasn't much going on this week uh, besides the derby you already mentioned, but I did want to hint hit on this because you and I you and I were texting about it, and that is um, 
Chelsea losing to Brentford 2-0. And so a week a week after they or you know they 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 have a, a couple I'll say this they have a couple of good showings they seem to start turning the corner with Pochettino play a little bit of winning football they should have won the derby against Arsenal they don't they end up drawing 2-2 after going up 2-0 and then they come right back down to earth again last Saturday and lose to Brentford 2-0 so where do you stand now with your thoughts on Chelsea was that just a matter of the fact that they were playing clubs like Luton and they were getting wins like that. But the, the problem is still very much present. That seems like there's some kind of issue at Chelsea that's that's way deeper than just, you know, uh, uh, ownership. You can't blame this on ownership, I don't think. I mean, this is, no. they've invested well. They 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 out, they got uh, players that a lot of other clubs wanted. They obviously, and Cuckoo got hurt as soon as he got there, but, uh, you know, some of their other investments are playing and Pochettino is still the manager. So what do you, what do you think the disconnect is here at Chelsea? God, man, it's, it's like the million dollar question. I mean, like United, I like following a lot of, um, a lot of uh, Chelsea guys. And it just cause it's so interesting to me how a club can spend, you know, billion dollars and then just, they can't, can't get it together even with a manager like Pochettino. I mean, I thought he was going to be able to gel it together, but it it's you're still kind of early, you know, you can still use that. I don't want to call it an excuse. You can still kind of say you need time, but Chelsea fans are just so impatient, man. I mean, gosh, they gave Graham Potter what, 2 months and then they were like, "Dude, we got to get this guy out of here." And you just bought him from Brighton. And, and of course they got him out, but they fired Thomas Tuchel, bring him in. And then two months later, fans already want him gone. I, I feel like we got to give Poch a little bit more time. They played decent today. They did lose to Brentford two nothing, uh, which was shocking as, as, as it, I was shocked at that score. And, and not only did they lose, they lost like in the last 10 minutes to two nothing and, and it was zero zero. So you still had that little bit of hope that they might be able to score a goal to take the win, but they just, it, it, it didn't happen. It didn't go that way. They just don't have those finishers, man. I think we've talked about it before. I, I don't, you can't count on Jackson who was just playing in Villarreal B in La Liga 2 two years ago. He only had one year at Villarreal to play in La Liga, and they picked him up and are counting on him to play in the best league in the planet and score goals for Chelsea. And you just you, – you're putting a lot on that guy's shoulders with Nkoku out. Yeah, he's going to – he'll probably play – or he's going to play wing. I, I hope they don't play him out of position. And you just, you got to get that nine correct. You got to get that striker correct. And Jackson just isn't the guy right now. I I have to say, you got to, you got to get that finishing striker like City have Holland, like United have Rasmus, even though that's not quite working out. You still got the big striker. You still got the guy who can finish. Um, Liverpool has, gosh, I can go, there's five guys Liverpool have who can finish. So you got to get that one guy you can count on to get that ball in the net in front of goal. I mean, Sterling, he did, like I said, today was a cup game. They were playing Blackburn, if I'm not mistaken, and you can't really count that as much. 
but he did Sterling did okay today. I gotta I gotta put the blame on the players. Maybe maybe they're just not playing to their full potential. I, I, I just I trust Pochettino. I just do. I, I I don't think tactically he's completely lost it. I mean he, he still is the great manager. It's just these players are so young, man. They need time. I mean, if you look at these ages, I think we've been through it. You got 20-year-old, 21-year-old, 22, 20, and they're all just thrown in this melting pot of Chelsea, and they're expected to perform at world-class levels, and you just got to give it time. I mean, that's how I, I feel about it. You 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 got to give it a little bit more time. I mean, you can't just say in one season they're going to be in top four again and win Champions League. I see them still finishing eighth, ninth, tenth, but it, it's it's not it was it's not looking good. I mean, you, you we did we both said it. We haven't been giving talking about them enough on here about how bad they've been. And yes, it is time to do so. I just still my my mind after watching football daily every day tells me they just need that little bit more time. I'm not going to say they're going to be like Lyon or, you know, the Union Berlin or anything, or they're not going to be like City at the top, but I feel this season's going to, it's already given that they're not going to be top. That's for sure. Chelsea fans can go ahead and swallow that one, but they can finish middle, finish respectably and build on this season and go into next season have a little patience. I mean, clock, didn't take Liverpool to Champions League finals and stuff in his first year, did he? No, it took him to Europa League final. Exactly. There you go. So, so give this man a give him time. You got to give him time. I mean, if you go ahead and fire this guy now, fire Poch and all this crap, I hear it's ridiculous. You're you're making a mistake. I feel you got to give him one more season. You got to. I mean, even Arteta didn't do too well. He won a cup with. The other play, other managers with uh, Dracula's team, Aston Villa's manager. What's his name? Um, uh, what's what's Aston Villa's manager's name? Looks like Dracula. Uh, oh, um, sorry. Uh, you know who I'm talking about? Um, yeah. Well, anyways, what? he he when he left Arsenal, he gave Arteta his squad, and Arteta ended up winning the cup final with him. Yeah, Unai and, Emery, sorry. Yeah, Unai Emery, Emery, yeah, yeah, Dracula, yeah. So you, you got to give them time, man. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I I just – I I really feel like they can do better next season. These players are just too darn young, man. I mean, you're 22-year-olds well, you're bringing from Ukraine. You got to give them some time. Uh, so how I feel about it, it's a fine line because you said, well – Jurgen Klopp didn't do this. And well, yeah, Jurgen Klopp took took Liverpool to a to a cup final in his first season, and it wasn't even his first full season. It, he came in midway through the season because they sacked uh, Brendan Rodgers. He came in. Jurgen Klopp did in October. He had just hung up hung up the uh, the clipboard with uh, uh, Dortmund in that previous May, so he didn't even take off a full year. He took off like six months and came into Liverpool as the right opportunity for him. So uh, then his second season. They finished top four and we're back in the Champions League. And uh, it's been uphill ever since, obviously. But I I don't know. Bad I mean, yeah, yeah, bad <laughs> example, right? Um, so the thing I would say is, was Pochettino 
so think so, something something's have, something's have come to my attention recently. Okay, since Pochettino left Spurs, and since Harry Kane left Spurs, Spurs have gotten better. Like yeah, like a lot better. So addition by subtraction, Spurs are top of the Premier League table, and they're not showing any sign of slowing down. They may not, certainly may not win the title, but I'm saying it's safe to say that they will be in the top four at the end of this season, and they will be back in the Champions League group stage next season. They are they are not a fluke. They are a very good football team, and they are playing like a well-oiled machine. Pochettino has gone to Real Madrid in that time since he left uh, uh, since he left Spurs, and now he's at Chelsea, at, uh, managing a rival club right there in, in London. And I have a question, you know, it's like, were this were, were was Tottenham really really that good under under Poch? Like, or was it, you know, you had a player, you had players like Song, you had players like Harry Kane, then Kyle Walker. I mean. You name it. Christian Erickson was fantastic yep. in midfield. Remember Deli Ali? Deli Ali. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say him, you know, to, to a lesser extent. But, yeah, he was there. Dembele was another one that played yeah. that was that was awesome for Spurs. And, of course, who could forget, um, you know, Hugo Lloris. Lucas Mora. Yeah. yeah Lloris yeah. and Lucas Mora. So Spurs also had a lot of talent in addition to – what many consider a great manager. I think they have, I think they're a less talented team based on name recognition right now, but their style of play and the way that they're sharing, like there's, there's multiple goal scorers. There's a lot of goals going around. Son, everything was around Harry Kane. And if Harry Kane can score and Son didn't score, then it was over. But they're there. Yeah. I, I feel like there's so much more variety and there's so much more, uh, ability to adapt for Spurs, like they're they're not. It's 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 they're they're able to react to things a lot better now. I I don't know if Pochettino is as good as his successor at Spurs, and I don't know if he was ever as good as we initially thought him to be. Because yeah, I mean we're we're gonna see. Yeah, the ability to take these kids like Moises Casado, and I understand that it's it does take some time to build a team but like you said Jackson is probably out of his out of his reach you have but you know Sterling he's a veteran he's playing on the wing there's but there's no there's not a lot of service coming into him so it's just it's it doesn't seem there's no fluidity right now with Chelsea I don't really know what they're supposed to be or who they are supposed to be or what they are I I, no, they I don't went, Shit. Right. So oh. I see I see when they play a ta- like where I'm getting at is like when they play a club like Luton, the, I you just you're just better than Luton. I mean you just have yeah. at every single position on the pitch, you are better than them. And at some point, I believe it's not in front of me. Didn't they win that match? One nil? Didn't Chelsea win one nil? Or they beat Luton three nothing. Okay. Yeah. My fault. I'll give okay. But you should beat them three nil. Yeah. You should beat Luton Town 3-0. But then 
I go to a match like Arsenal where they play a fantastic first half. They're up 2-0, and then they look like a completely different team in the second half. Arsenal comes back, ties it. And, I mean, if you could ever have a loss that was a draw, that was it. It I mean, you have a a, a derby, a London derby against, you know, your arch rivals and – or one of your arch rivals. And you you blow blow a 2-0 lead at at, at halftime. I mean, it's just – so – Something I, I'm looking, and where you say, yeah, it's a slow burn, right? I I I want to say you're not wrong about that, but I'm looking to see week to week what is better about Chelsea this week than it was last week, and that Nick is where what I think about it. Ask me what I think about it. I don't see where anything is improving. I see a lot of the same. I see a lot of of, of the same issues that they've had. Honestly, for a couple of years now, I, I'm not seeing. I, I mean, I'm I, obviously Pochettino is a different manager than Thomas Tuchel, who is a different manager than Graham Potter, who's obviously they're all different. But I, there's there's been an underlying issue, basically. I want to say since Conte left, yeah, and they've never really gotten the wheels back on the track with Pochettino. I thought they made an excellent hire. But it's based off what what he did at, or what happened when he was at Spurs. I'm I'm not so sure that he may not be out of his depth right now at Chelsea because Chelsea is also a bigger club when it comes to the media and how they are. Like the supporters, obviously, are very impatient, right? Because they've had a number of huge successful seasons in the past fifteen years. They've won Champions Leagues. They've They've won Premier Leagues, all this stuff. So, yeah, of course, they they expect stuff to happen overnight. Spurs haven't won Premier League ever since it's been the Premier League. They haven't won the English champions since 1961. Yeah, so they might give you a little bit more time to get the ball rolling. So Pochettino, what I'm saying is, might be the right manager for Spurs where you get more time, but Chelsea does not allow you that luxury. So he may be out of his depth. The system is not obviously has not been well integrated yet. He's playing four two three one. I I you know that's set up for obviously four two three one was set up for Nkunku up front. That's not going to happen with him being yeah. injured. So you you play with the pieces on the chessboard that you have right, and that's just not suited right now for 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 Poch to 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 produce, I believe what he, what he has envisioned that he wants to get there. So it's going to take, you know, it's going to take basically to win the matches that you're supposed to win. You have to beat the, the the teams that are, that are below you. They were doing that. They were doing that. You know, they beat Luton. They, they had four, a, a four game unbeaten streak. And then you turn around and you lose to Brentford two nil, and, you know, yeah. kind of embarrassing fashion. So I am not seeing Nick, a week to week, I'm not seeing the the improvement. I'm not seeing the, the 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 screws being turned, if you will. So that's that's my issue with Chelsea is the fact that it's like two steps forward, three steps back, or two steps forward, yeah. two steps back. It's like as soon as you see something positive, whatever yeah. you built is immediately unbuilt. Whereas when, yeah, when you down. named when you when you when we talked about the Liverpool example, you said when Klopp they they got a little bit better every week. They got a little bit better. And a little bit better, and a little bit better. Yeah, 
And then by the next season, they were a hell of a lot better. Yeah. I'm not saying that he can't turn it around. But I'm also saying, like I said, this is not Spurs. He's not going to have that much time. No. No, you're absolutely right. And they're already itching, man. I'm following. I follow these guys. I mean, daily. So who's on the bigger hot seat? Who's on the bigger hot seat? Is it Seven Hog or is it Potch? Seven. Seven Hog, 100%. Okay. Okay. Because Potts just came in. So, ten, uh, seven, Mr. Seven has been there. This is second season going into third. He He's expected to get these results now. We can revisit Potch in the second season, and I feel he'll be doing better than seven hog, ten hog. If he makes it and, that far. And if he makes it that far, if they let him survive that far. But that's something we got to revisit because you're talking about Pochettino's first season here. And I totally agree with your Tottenham comparison and your, your uh, talking about the, the Tottenham, what he did with Tottenham, because that was Tottenham. That was Harry Kane. That was a whole different ball game, you know? So... I agree with you there on that. That's that's I'm actually in very. I agree with that big time. So yeah. I just feel Eric is in the bigger hot seat, and we're gonna have to give Potch a little bit of time. He's just he's got to. You have all the resources at your fingertips. I mean, you have all the players these clubs wanted, and you if you can't produce within this coming up season, he will be gone. If not at the end of this season, so something we got to keep our eyes on. That's that's for sure. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how Chelsea ends up. You know, the, it's where where they're at come Boxing Day, which is obviously uh, the, the the big the big footballing day in, in England. That's like a national holiday. So we're gonna what well, is a national holiday? It's Boxing Day. But anyways, that's that's football heaven. If you if you love football, you got plenty of it to watch that day. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see where they are for the holidays how they do here over the next eight weeks or so. And we can revisit this conversation because I, I, I do think that things need to get better quickly or they're going to get a lot worse. Oh, big time. Well, moving to, uh, to France. So we'll wrap up our, our leagues here, uh, here with the, uh, the league. Uh, and we have a new, a new, uh, new club on top, a new front runner, Nick in France. It is Nice. Undefeated, only undefeated team in the league, uh, and they have 22 points in first place, four goals allowed through 10 matches, Nick. That's quite the defense. Yeah, I mean, when when we started talking about Nice, the first thing I said is look at their goal differential. (laughs) I mean, they don't let any goals in. I mean, that defense is one for the ages, man. I, I, I was wondering what the record is for Ligue 1 and the least goals scored. I guess I can check that out. But, dude, they're on pace. You're talking about 10 matches already being played. You're almost a third of the way there, and you've allowed four goals. So you're you're looking at 12 to, to 15 goals allowed if you stick on this average, and that's pretty good. I mean, that's – that says a lot playing 30 something matches and you only allowing 10 to 15 goals. Holy cow. You, you should be in first. You better be in first place. Yeah. Unless you're just zero zeros all down the board, you know, you, you've got to be in first. Yeah. PSG won. So they stay, they're staying, you know, uh, on pace with nice Monaco lost to Lille. Lille now in the top four 
They uh, sit on 18 points. Monaco drops back to third. So the match, though, that we want to talk about is uh, our rivals, old French rivals, two of French football's royalties, Marseille and Lyon. And that match was postponed because Marseille supporters attacked the Lyon bus. What do you think about that? Oh, gosh. I, I It's funny. What, how did they come up? Oh, I was talking about um... – the the fans of of Freiburg. I was saying, I wish the Freiburg players and fans cared more about the Polkow, like the Marseille fans care about their club, because the Marseille fans and Lyon fans wouldn't even let their clubs play because they were so pissed off. So, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, it, these ultras and these fans, dude, they take this way more serious than than me myself being an American that I ever understand, you know, I, I have no clue what it's like over there with these ultras because they will shut down a match. I'm talking about a world televised match will be shut down by these fans. And here you don't see that. You don't see Dallas Cowboy fans protesting, shutting down NFL games. You're getting that kickoff at one o'clock, no matter what, because they'll have cops and who knows. So, Seeing something like that made me laugh, man. I mean, I see it a lot with with uh, smaller countries too, man. You'll you'll see Ecuadorian game get canceled because there was a riot. Heck, I saw River Plate had a game canceled against, uh, I think, Independiente or um, the Argentina uh, or the Newell Old Boys. They had a match canceled because someone got killed outside the stadium. They wow. can't yeah. match. Someone got killed outside the stadium. So, you know, to your typical American, it's pretty wild and pretty crazy. And even to me, I thought it was crazy they canceled it. But I see it a lot following a lot of these uh, countries, man. You'll you'll see a lot of matches postponed for sure. Well, the the, the bigger issue here is the state that uh, Olympique Lyon find themselves in. So we we've talked a little bit about them in the in the last couple of weeks, but. Uh, a, a kind of a deep dive here real quick. They, I want to say, pretty, um, fewest goals conceded by a team is 19. Nice is on pace to beat that, to beat 19. It was Paris Saint-Germain in the 2015-16 season. So we got to keep up with that stat. We got to see how that goes. So sorry wow. to interrupt you there. Yeah, no, fine. Yeah, that's that's an amazing stat. It would be nice yeah. to see them break PSG's record for sure. Absolutely. Um, so Leon, they – were last relegated in the early 80s and they were bought by uh, a, a French businessman, former owner, uh, Jean-Michel Aulas, in 1987. And since he bought them, their youth academy was second to none in France. Their player scouting was second to none in France. Their player development was second to none in France. Yeah. And they were able to basically, by the 90s, put together a squad that had competed in a European competition from the mid part of that decade all the way until last season when they failed to qualify for Europe for the first time since the mid-90s. They hold the record from 2001 to 2008 for most consecutive league on titles. They were seven-time consecutive French champions. PSG has only been able to win four on the bounce. They've never won seven in a row, even with the backing of an entire nation at their at their disposal. They have and and they have five times the budget that of Lyon. Lyon were able to win 
seven French titles in a row. Twice God. in the last 15 years, they have finished in the Champions League semifinals, both times knocked out by the eventual winner. I believe that was Bayern Munich both times. Bayern Munich did beat them uh, as most recently as 2020. So we're talking about a club that basically this is where, you know, players like Kareem Benzema, Alexander Lacazette, you know, players like that, they, they've, they have come from Lyon, but it goes way further back than that. I mean, they've, they, I can't name you all as many players as they put on the French national team, but they've always, always sold for a high and then replenished because they've had the ability to scout, had an amazing youth academy, and they've mm-hmm. been able to have a massive amount of talent, unlike to which a French approach ball has never seen before, up until, of course, the massive spending of PSG came around. They were in a Champions League semifinal just three years ago. And Bayern yeah. Munich, who won the entire competition, are the ones that knocked them out. They had beaten City, as you said, in that same knockout stage in that same yeah. season. From there... They finished seventh place last season in France, which was not good enough to get them into Europe. So they they failed to qualify to Europe, for Europe for the first time in nearly three decades. And now they find themselves in dead last. They have three points through nine matches. They have a goal differential that is absolutely horrendous. I mean, it's, it, it's at negative 11. They already conceded 18 goals. With they, I mean... It just can't get much worse. That the 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 ultras undressed the players verbally after their match against PSG earlier this season when they lost four to one, and basically Nick told them for better or worse, you know, there's been three decades of players that have bled for this club for that badge and, and hoisted trophies and made that badge mean something. It's become it's it, Leon was one of Europe's. Probably ten to fifty. At one time, they were in the top fifteen of the most valuable clubs in Europe. You know, sandwiched between Liverpool and Roma. That was yeah. back in you know uh, um, the the la- the early part of the last decade. And and you think of where they where they were ten years ago and where they find themselves now. It's unthinkable. So it's a cautionary tale, <clears throat> and one that one that should be. Uh, looked at and studied for, for many years to come because it's unraveled so quickly. So last year, the longtime owner then sold the club to John Texter, who yeah. is an American businessman who had a lot of dealings. He was a former uh, head of uh, the company that was uh, the major- majority stakeholder in Fubo TV. He mm-hmm. also was in charge of – he's uh, the, the guy who does – the holograph, so hologram, ho- hologram, holograph, whatever. Hologram, the Tupac hologram at Coachella, Michael Jackson in 2014. He is the head of Eagle Football Holdings, which was trying to own Benfica but didn't, but owns 40% of Crystal Palace, even though he has no voting power there because the other three owners who own 60% simply let one of them be their voice and they always vote differently than he does. So they can't. They can't, there's no, there's no, he owns 40%. He has the largest stake individually, but he still has no power when it comes to actually making, actually making the decisions. But he also owns um, the Brazil club. Who was it um, that I said? Botafogo. Botafogo, right. So 
he he owns he, he and and now he uh, besides Crystal Palace he now owns Lyon. So the old owner, so they are now butting heads, and uh, Jean Michel Alas has now sued him for slander. <laughs> so oh, uh, and, and, and since since the sale of the club went through, so and it was it was also Jean Michel Alas that basically asked for peace and to stand down after the bus attack. So it wasn't actually this guy, John Texter. So there is not much, there is not in football right now, especially not in the big five leagues in Europe, much more of a mess than Lyon right now. And to think of where they, they were and where they came from to where they are now, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of unfathomable. So, you know, it's to me, a relegated Lyon side would find themselves in a very similar situation to that of former French royalty. Well, they're still French royalty, but former French champions, multiple time French champions, Bordeaux, who are also in the second tier right now, they were relegated. They have not yet been able to find their way back up. I do think Nick that Lyon find themselves in a more precarious situation than maybe thought of. They there's there. I still think and I'm holding on to hope you may add to this now, however you want to, because I'm, I'm I want to I want to pick your brain and what you think about this. I still think there's there basically what's happened in the last five years with Lyon is they've sold players. They this is a, an astounding stat. Even last year they sold players and they had a net gain of a hundred million euros and they only invested twenty million into the club. So when in in the years between. When they won the French League in 2001 and 2008, get this, that entire seven-year span, they, 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 only, they, they spent as much as they had outgoing, though. They had a yeah. net spend of 16 million euros, but they won seven consecutive French titles. But they invested so well and scouted so well. Well, when you don't scout well and you don't replenish the talent and your youth academy isn't as good as it used to be, and when you sell players for $100 million, and then you only reinvest twenty million, and there's eighty million just sitting there that's you know going to whatever. That's a slow, slippery slide to go down. But then the last thing I want to point out, Laurent Blanc, who is the manager currently, and he's won French titles before. He's he is has a massive name in French football. He is now part of the problem, not the solution. It's not his fault per se, but he's certainly not the solution. He was recently asked by French media after a loss what the team needed to do to improve. And I kid you not, his answer was find a new manager. He 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 wants to be sacked because from what I understand, the severance package is quite nice. Oh, of course. So Nick, what what are your thoughts right now on the state of Olympic Lyon, French royalty, French blue bloods that find themselves now solely in a fight for survival in the league? Uh, and if they're lucky with the talent they have, they won't get relegated this season. Yeah, man, it's kind of crazy because they actually won the second tier. I think it said three or four times before. So back before the 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 times where they were winning all the French titles, they actually were going back down, up, down back in the, in the old days. Yeah. Which is, which I had no clue about, you know, in my mind, I think of Lyon as one of those sides like Hamburg who were up for 80 years, you know what I'm saying? But 
that wasn't the case. Um, I want to say this owner is a real piece of work. He's the, he's the Hollywood virtual reality guru. That's what he's called. <laughs> yeah. And here he is purchasing a French football club, French royalty, actually. And if you ask me, it just, it, people like this shouldn't be able to get their hands on a club. I mean, he paid, I think it was 890 million for his share in Lyon. Yeah. 80% share in Lyon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 77.49% of Lyon is his and he paid 884 million. Now, I want to say, just like you brought up, he also tried to buy, you know, Benfica. He also had his hands in Brentford, Watford, and Newcastle United. So this is the same guy who was trying to purchase all these clubs. Now, he did get his hands on a club that I was watching in the second tier of Belgium who have been promoted, and that's RWD Molenbeek, who are now in the top tier of Belgium. He purchased 80% of that club, and now they are newly promoted. So this guy seems to have way too much on his plate. I mean, he's he's probably doing like Bowley and just getting involved too much. He needs to go back to old times and get back to the scouting, get back to the youth program. I mean, I watch so much football on Champions League days. They have each Champions League team that's playing in group stage – they're under 19s play. So, for example, if United's playing Galatasaray that day, their under 19 squad will play that morning in the, the, the Youth Champions League. I used to see Leon in these all the time, and they were great. They would win. The, they'd go and win the whole thing, dude. I'm telling you, their youth program was absolutely shockingly good. And there's many players I've seen come from there and go on to have great careers. And now you just don't see that anymore. Of course, they're not in Champions League, so you're not going to see them. But even in the French leagues where the kids play, they've just fell completely off. I looked while while we were talking, and their youth program is now nothing like it used to be. And even with that, when you say you sell for 100 and you're only reinvesting 20 – you, me and you both know the outcome of that. You have to reinvest in your club, man. You can't just expect these players who were behind the players that you sold to come up and do a great job and keep you up. I mean, hearing all this, just it, it all clicks and makes sense, man. I mean, Leon was destined to crash. They're, you're selling $100 million and only reinvesting twenty. There's there's something wrong there. You you got to look at these executives, these scouts, these these uh, general managers or, or or whatnot. You have to look at them and ask what is going on. And you got to think it has to be the owners when you're dealing with money. I well, mean, you know this guy. So I, I what I need to do is figure out what more about this John Texter guy, right? I, I've never I don't I don't, oh, I don't I don't know much about him. He's a bozo. He's. I'm just reading just a little bit about him, and this guy is just a complete. He he's not thought highly of by a lot of people, man. But he has his hands in a lot, man. I mean, not only does he own the Brazilian club, which he bought ninety percent ownership in, he then purchased RWD, who is now in the top tier of Belgium, playing the likes of Club Bruges, you know, Anderlecht. So this guy owns three clubs at the moment. 
or parts of these three clubs, majority in two of them. And you got to think, I mean, what in the world could one man do? I mean, you're talking about three different clubs. Well, I mean, that's why you have your own. That's why you have a scouting department. That's why you have exactly. Your, you know, and it doesn't seem like he has it. <laughs> director of football operations, stuff like that. Well, my, yeah. my thought is, you know, this there there's like this there was like um, this generation, I guess. Now, like it's it's this, the sexy thing to do is uh, it seems like if you're an American billionaire, multimillionaire. If you're Ryan Reynolds, you buy Wrexham. If you're John Texter, you buy Lyon. If you, you know, it's 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 the Glazers. You buy Manchester United. It's these um, these uh, American moguls that come over, and now it's it, they want their 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 token toy football club to run, so to speak. Yeah. You know, is that exactly. and that's why I'm asking. Like, is this because the 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 thing that made Lyon the success they were was the act was their their former owner or majority owner Jean-Michel Alas. He was the guy that said, I'm taking them from the depth from the second tier and we're gonna go to the first tier and we're gonna build from there. And our first thing is going to be to compete in the first tier and then from there win the first tier. And then his dream was to make a Champions League run, which he got to the semifinals twice under his ownership. He fell short twice, but you know that's 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 Beyond PSG in 2020, you know, there, no other French side is uh, in, in the modern era has really done that. You know, Monaco did it uh, with Kylian Mbappe, but French French clubs don't make the semifinals of the Champions League very often. It's just not something they oh, do. God, I mean, no. it, so yeah. so yeah, like I said, you have your outlier. Like Lyon does it a couple times. Monaco did it. Monaco did it also in 2004. I'll go ahead and say that with the year. Or actually, they made it to the final in 2004 with uh, when uh, Jose, Jose Mourinho's Porto won the Champions League. They're the last club from the non-European top five to win the Champions League. So that's coming up on its 20th year anniversary. But um, yeah. yeah, so Lyon is like responsible, or Alas is responsible for for most of, if not all, of their success. But then under his ownership also started the unraveling of the said club, scouting, uh, scouting youth academy, uh, player replenishment, reinvestment. And Lyon did something better than almost any other club in Europe was every time that they invested in a player, one out of every two of those players would always hit. They would always, like you would always have a Kareem Benzema. Like, that, like yeah. that's, they were hitting, now it seems like, they're hitting less and they're selling for less yeah. and, and they're not replenishing with more. So my question is, is this guy just, is this just his play toy or is he actually serious about building Leon back into, into some kind of power? Because you know, it's, it's, it's getting dangerously close to crunch time here. I would say the table says it all, man. I mean, and we're not seeing any improvement. I, I, I just, I feel like I feel like, and I have to say, uh, the Jean Michael Alas, the the old owner, actually started the OL Reign, the Seattle Reign, the women's team we have here in America. He was the owner of that that also, and yes, and yes, they're, he was. They're a decent decent side, but dude, the this this, I would say the table says it, man. I mean, it's it's funny because I look at Lyon and who they've sold and who came through their academy. 
and they're all over the world now, man. I mean, you got players playing everywhere uh, um, from Leon, and it's funny. There, there are a lot of Africans, man. They, they, they're scouting, and and they're younger. The under twenty three and under nineteen sides, they all have these. They get these African kids, the young kids in, and they produce. They build them up, and then they either put them in the team and then they show what they can do and they sell them and then not replace or they, they keep them. I mean, I, I was looking at, uh, at their, their, um, uh, their youth team like results and whatnot. And they've just fallen off. They've fell off so bad to where it just, it, and it just started happening when they sold ownership. So in my eyes, it, it has to be, this this American clown, man. I hate to say it, but it, it has to be this this ownership. It's like they don't care about the youth anymore, and 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 it shows, man. I mean, being bottom it, right now when you're talking about it's almost Thanksgiving. That's dangerous, man. You're flirting with a hard time because a, even a side like Saint Etne or or Bordeaux, look at them, man. They're they've been stuck and and. Leon goes down, it's going to be a battle. And you're you're talking about asking this guy who is terrible, trying to get them up from the second tier into the first. Oh my God, that's like you know asking somebody climb my climb my Mount Everest, man. He's well, he's not going to be able to do that. Another another thing that he's doing that's unpopular is that he he's actually he wants to sell. Ol Rain, and he wants to sell. He wants to split the the uh, Lyon women from the the men and sell the the women as a separate entity. He thinks that the women's Lyon squad and the men's squad should be separate. They should be separate entities, and he wants to sell off that portion. Now, the the, the Lyon women have dominated European football. Yeah, they've they've won. Good. They've won tons of Champions Leagues. They are, are are European royalty. This Texter wants to actually sever the connection between uh, uh, OL Femme, which is their their female their their women's uh, club, and the men. And he's and he wants to sell uh, OL Rain and OL Femme as their own separate entities. And that's becoming that's also being looked at as a very clownish move. Oh yeah. Dude, yeah, that's that that makes no sense. Like if you own one club, you own all of their properties, correct? I mean, that's what one would think. You don't separate that. Yeah, dude, this just sounds like Yeah, that's this, that, that's this. like that's that's like if you say like okay, that's the American franchise system, right? So the 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 New York Knicks are their own team and the New York Liberty are their own team, but that's the way it's set up in America, but like the yeah. Manchester United or Liverpool or Dortmund or Wolfsburg or Barcelona women are still under the same banner as the men. It, it's exactly. It's, it's all. It's one athletic club. It's one one badge that represents yeah. all of them. So yeah, you got so, this American guy trying to bring what we do over here into there, and it's not going to work, dude. This guy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's um. Like I said, the ultras were verbally undressing the players a couple of weeks ago. The, the 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 table 
says it all three points after nine match days and just not a lot of hope in sight. Uh, ownership that doesn't seem to be fixing anything right now. I mean, it's, it's a sad state because if you look at it, you will have, if this continues to go the way that it is, you're going to have Saint-Étienne, you're going to have Bordeaux and you're going to have Lyon all in the second tier of French football. And that's just, that's, that's a sad plight because in the last 15, in the last 15 years, Bordeaux and Lyon have both won uh, uh, league titles, and, and 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 to boot on top of that, Saint Etienne was was competitive. They were they were in, in the Champions League just a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, so yeah. remember them in Champions League. They, they, great team to follow too, and to see them crumble, they had the same issues, man. Ownership, and then you get these clowns, and now Lyon is 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 stuck with this bozo dude i feel terrible for their supporters as as they should the ultras they should keep talking this trash and and do what the heck they can because they're going to be in the second tier man they are just that bad yep that is uh that that's a fact that i i really i really wish them the best and i hope that they can get their stuff together but it doesn't it looks pretty 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 bleak right now nick yeah, one, more thing, got- one, one more thing to yeah. hit on i know you're gonna like this i want you to talk about this real quick uh, the Copa Libertadores final is on Saturday. Yep, Fluminense, Fluminense, Fluminense and Boca Juniors. Cavani, you got Cavani, Cavani starting up front for Boca, and you got a uh, uh, Beanie, uh, Beanie Vin, uh, I forget his name, but he was playing for Marseille not two or three years ago. Those two starting up front for Boca. And Fluminense has a manager who, matter of fact, I'll send you this video. You got to see it. His tactics are literally go out there and just like attack the ball. Like you think it's like a pressing, full pressing, but it's crazier than that. You got to see it in live action. I'm going to send it to you and and, and uh, you can see what I'm talking about. Fluminense and Boca. Big match. This is like the Champions League final. I didn't know you were going to bring this up. This is exciting stuff, man, because we just had the Copa Sundamerica final last week where we saw LDU, Paulo Guerrero, the Peruvian cocaine user who got to play <laughs> in the World Cup. He played and started and won in a penalty shootout to Fortezela out of Brazil, Serie A. Uh, Sad day for Brazilians that day. I mean, looking at the crowd when they lost that penalty shootout, I mean, there were people crying. I mean, because it's funny, man. In South America, these teams get to these finals, and they may never see another final for 20, 30 years. So to go and lose it is massive, man. I'm talking about it is big. And these teams want as much money as they can get because they're already not getting a lot as it is. So – I'm. I think Boca's gonna be able to pull it out. They have a good back line. You got Cavani up front, and he's scoring goals for them. Sure, he's old. I know. I know he's old, but the guy is still scoring goals for Boca. I I like Fluminense. I do. I just. I don't feel Cano is is their starting striker. Good player. He had a chance in Europe. Didn't didn't quite pan out. Uh. Not, I don't quite remember off the top of my head where they he had a shot at, but it didn't work. 
Um, so he's back with Fluminense, and I am going to say I want to see Boca get it. I want to see Cavani in a Boca jersey raise the Copa Libertadores. Wouldn't that be crazy? Because Cavani, I don't think he won. He didn't win a Champions League because he just saw Napoli and he saw uh, uh, Palmario and um, Man United and PSG. So he didn't touch any big trophies in Europe. But I would love to see him raise Copa Libertadores. So I'm all for Boca. That game is going to be a good game. I actually let it slip. I forgot it was Saturday. I think it's 4 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, yeah, dude, you, you want to see some good South American football, you you watch that match there. It's actually going to be a, a really good game. It's funny. It's a, it's a really high-powered offense in Fluminense who averaged like two or three goals a game, and that's a lot in Brazil, playing against Boca who don't allow many goals and will get one or two and just sit park that bus so this is going to be interesting man i i'm gosh man if i could get off work i'm telling you i would i would watch this match and and pop popcorn get coke <laughs> coca-cola classic yeah. i get coke and, and snacks and i would watch it man so i'm glad you brought that up man that's yeah. that's a that's a so, good one. liverpool also has an interest in this as they are linked with uh Flumin, uh into midfielder andre yeah so andre heavy, yeah. heavy heavy transfer links between the two sides so um yes andre yeah. was playing with the youngsters very good i i watched the 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 under 20 cup for brazil and i got to see him play i think it was last year they do it every year at the beginning of the year and it's when not a lot of football is going on i think it's it's during like winter break or something so it's something i pay attention to and i like to watch and plus you see players like endrick like andre endrick is was signed by uh real madrid he's only 17 and he's still playing at palmaris but i got to see him playing that under 20 cup like i got to see andre so yeah man i'm glad you brought that up dude i'm I'm excited and hell there's even some some liverpool ties there so we'll see how he does yeah there's a guy so and and there's a uh a, a player for uh fluminense by the name of john kennedy yeah, Kennedy. So, yeah, former, former former president of the United States. Former so, president of the United States, yeah, man. I'm so telling you, I mean, there's so there's this there's some loaded loaded talent on this team. I'm telling you what. Yeah, These so Brazilian th- parents they they pick the craziest names. I was telling you last time on Millionaires in Colombia, there's a guy named David Beckham, and then it's like Jose Contreras. But of yeah. course, they got to have the David Beckham in there. Well, this also for. You know this, this. This is for the qualification in the in the uh, FIFA Club FIFA World Cup. Club World Cup, absolutely. So, so this is big. Yeah, we got to see Flamingo play against Liverpool, and it took Liverpool till the eighty something minute for them to get a goal to go above them. I'm telling you, this that whoever wins this will get to see them play against some European powers, and we've seen some of them play close games against teams like Liverpool, Chelsea, because. Palmeiras played a good game against Chelsea not two well, years be, yeah, ago. Yeah, they'll have to play Man City. We'll have to. Be, it'll be be Man City. Oh, they'll they destroy. The- yeah, it was just funny because they play the the Club World Cup in Saudi, I think it is. And seeing Flamingo play against Liverpool is like a dream for me, man. That was like a Super Bowl. I can tell you where I was, what I was doing. I was in Buford helping a friend move, but I stopped and I had to watch that match. 
that that tournament is downright probably one of my favorites because someone like me who watches Egyptian and Moroccan and Brazilian and and English, I get to see all these teams collide. And man, it's it's so fun to watch. I mean, there's some blowouts, but there's also some great games like the Liverpool match that we saw three or four years ago. So, do you have a do you have a, a prediction on what you think the outcome is oh, going to be? It's so hard. Oh, I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna. God, this is hard. I'm gonna say one one. We're going to go extras nothing, and we're going to go to penalty shootout, and, and we're going to get a Boca win. Yep. 1-1, one, one, defense going to hold, extra time, nothing, penalty shootout, win goes to Boca. So Boca Juniors, Argentina, they're going to represent yep. South Cavani. America in the FIBA, FIFA FIFA Club World Cup. Yep, okay. Absolutely. Well, real quick, let's let's scout for uh, this weekend. We have uh, – so quick, quick predictions real quick, okay? Um Fulham and Man United. That's your oh, Saturday gosh. Saturday at 8.30 a.m. 2-2, two, two, draw. 2-2, two, two, draw. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Fulham wins 3-1 to one over United. Oh, I hope so. Oh, that will make my day. Newcastle and Arsenal. Newcastle, 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one to Newcastle. Okay, I'm going to yep. go 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to say it's a draw. I respect the other, that. The, the other big one is going to be... Uh, Tottenham and Chelsea this coming Monday. So it'll be next Monday, the 6th, yeah. in another London derby for Chelsea. So this is Poch versus his old club. And let's see, this one is going to be at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So I, I'm i going to go ahead and say that's going to be a 3-1 victory for Spurs. Oh, wow. I'll say 1-1 draw. Okay, another draw for, for Chelsea in the in – the- yeah. Yeah, okay. So in the Bundesliga this weekend. All right, I'm going to say this just because I got we got we got to preview this one does the bleeding stop? Is uh Union Berlin versus Eintracht Frankfurt. What you got? Frankfurt, man. Union Berlin's d- dead dead meat. There oh, wow. this is <laughs> yeah. I'll say Frankfurt uh which is 12 to 9 gold did they're doing good half decent seventh place. We'll say I'll say 2-1 Frankfurt. Okay. In Union Berlin. Uh-huh. Hoffenheim versus Leverkusen. That's going to be on the road for Leverkusen. Leverkusen's still a big favorite. Minus 160, we'll say. I'll go 1-3, to three, Leverkusen. Okay. So for, for Union Berlin and Eintracht Frankfurt, I'm going to go with the 1-1 draw. I think they stop the bleeding. They at least get a point. And for Hoffenheim and Leverkusen, I'm going to say Leverkusen 2-1 to one over Hoffenheim. Then uh, we got Fauerfe Stuttgart and Heidenheim. So Stuttgart, can they are they going to get back to their winning ways? Yeah, we'll we'll say uh, Stuttgart two nil, two nil. Like that, I'll go with that two nil as well. And of course, yeah. the big one, Der Klassiker. Oh, it's here we here we go, Nick. This is it, Dortmund yep. and Bayern. And it's going to be taking place a home match for Dortmund at the Westfalen Stadion. What you got? Oh gosh! And Bayern just got embarrassed. They're the talk of it. Oh yeah, uh, BBB is going to get killed. It'll be four-one. I'll give Holler a penalty that he can luckily make. We'll say four-one, Bayern. Okay, I'm going to go uh, six to one, Bayern. 
Yeah. Oh wow. That's. Yeah. I think. I think. I think that. I think uh, Kane scores a, 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 a hat trick, and I think that Dortmund's gonna Dortmund's gonna feel Bayern's wrath. It's gonna be nasty. It's gonna be really nasty. This is what they live for. This is what Bayern lives for is to is to embarrass Dortmund at this kind of this junction juncture of the, of the season in their home stadium. They they would love, they would just. I'm saying six to one just because I've seen it happen before. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, okay. yeah, you know best. I mean, I I could totally see it. Okay, so in France, uh, you got uh, Nice and Rennes. I think uh, I'm going to go with a nice two nil win for Nice in that one. Yeah, I'm going to say they keep the defense strong. I'll say one nil Nice. Okay, Monaco and Brest. Oh man, Monaco's going to Monaco's going to bounce back. We'll say two one Monaco. Yeah, I like that scoreline too. I'm going to go with two one Monaco. Uh, Leon and Mets. Can they? You think Leon has? Any, can they? Can oh. they get anything going here? It's it's at home for them. I know, but they couldn't even beat Claremont Foot. Uh, but well, Leon's favored. They are favored in this one. Believe it or not. I know Mets is not that terrible. They have that good striker. Mets is, Mets is in 16th place. They're in the relegation spot right now. So this this is a this is a. Must win for Lyon. They really need these three points because if they lose, Mets goes to twelve points, and now Lyon's still at three. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say draw, dude. I'm gonna go draw just and they keep the pain going, man. The blood keeps spilling. We'll say two two. Lyon goes up two nothing, and Mets comes back in the final ten minutes just to crush everybody's hearts. Okay, just because of the severity of this match in terms of the outcome. Should it not go their way? I'm going to say Lyon get their first win of the season. It's going to be 1-0 over Mets. I think that they will finally get three points on the board. Could be right. Yeah, I, I, if it happens, this is the one. So It has to. I mean, if it, yeah. it, I understand Like, th- th- there's no greater sense of urgency than the, than the present right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Spain, Real Sociedad against Barcelona. Let's see if uh, Gundogan's speech has any impact because Sociedad, you know, they're they're in the Champions League. They're a good squad, so you know, it's it's this isn't a gimme. It's also on the road. Yeah, Pubo, Pubo, my boy, Real Madrid gave him up. Uh, I will say, man, I, so hard. I'm I'm gonna keep it easy, man, and just go one one draw. Yeah, I was going to go 2-2, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm going to okay. go 2-2 with you. All right, Osasuna versus Girona. Oh, Girona. Girona with the with the dub. They keep it rolling 2-0. 2-0, okay. I'm going to go with another 1-0 last-minute winner for Girona. I think they, they will continue to squeak out three points. And uh, we also have Real Madrid versus Rayo Vallecano. Oh, and Real, Real they, they coast. Yeah, we'll say 2-0 Real. Rio's doing pretty well, though. They're in eighth position right now. So it's like, you know, yeah, they, they're, they're, they're in seven. They got 17 points. They're, you know, not, they're in the conversation for Europe right now. Yeah, we'll go 2-0 Real. Real does Real things. Jude goal, and we'll say Modric with a screamer from outside the box. I'm going to say it's 1-0 for Rio Vallecano going into the 80th minute. And Real Madrid scores two goals in the final ten to win two to one. Of course, I, I you know what wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, that's that. You and I are going to be chatting. We're going to be texting, talking about Real's about to lose, 
And just when you think they're about to lose, they win. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. So uh, lastly, but not leastly, we have the Serie A. And with this one, big matchup this weekend is going to be Atalanta and Inter. And it's going to be, it's it's in uh, Bergamo. So this one's going to be away for Inter. This is tricky. This is a very tricky yeah. picture. No, it is. And Atlantia is not that bad. No, they're it's good. It's just Inter Milan. Inter Milan has good D, man. I'm going to go 0-1 to Inter Milan again. We're going to go with the, the late winner. Okay, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw here. I think this is a, this is a banana peel. I think Inter slips on it, but they do get one back. So they're going to they're going to take a point away, but yeah, this is a, this is that's a very tough fixture uh in Bergamo for sure. That's not a not an easy task. Give me. Yeah. Fiorentina versus Juve. It's a home match for Fiorentina. Yeah, Fiorentina has just been disappointing this season. Sold Amrabat or loaned him out to United. Lost a lot of uh a lot of uh, movement in that midfield. I'll say Juve 2-1. We see some goals. Okay, so you're going 2-1. You said Juve. 2-1 to Juve? Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw here. I think Fiorentina, it's a home match. I think they can squeeze out something. So I think that you're going to see a very competitive match in this. Juve, this is what I was talking about earlier. Not quite to where they were five years ago. This would absolutely be a match that they would have won five years ago, but this is exactly the type of match on the road at Fiorentina where they will will drop some points inevitably, and that's that's where I think Inter are going to be stronger because they're they're those matches against the Fiorentinas and the Genoas and those types they're going to win those. Juve could still slip. Yeah. Uh, Milan versus Udinese. Oh, Milan! Milan bounced back strong with a three nil. Ah, you got me. I was going to say the same thing. Three nil. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. pre- predict the same thing there. And yeah. uh, lastly, this will be interesting. So we have Bologna and Lazio. So those two teams you know, are mid table. They're both fighting for the yeah. same thing. So this is a grit and grind type of match, right? But Lazio have won three on the bounce now, and four of their last five. Bologna. They are undefeated in their last five, but that's two wins and three draws. So it, yeah. it's, these are something's got to give here. Bologna, they and they did well in their Coppa Italia match. I just I'm not convinced with Sorry Ball and Lazio. They counted on a last second penalty to win the last match against Fiorentina, who aren't very. I, I just not convinced by them. I'm going to go Bologna. We'll go one nil to them. Okay, I'm going to go one nil the other other side, and you know who I'm going to predict? It's going to be Chiro yeah, Mobile again because yeah. he's all they've got right up front. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, well, uh, Nick, we have a full weekend ahead of us, and of course, I think the biggest match of this weekend is that uh, Copa Libertadores final. I think that there's there's no bigger match on the globe that's happening. I think that 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 says it all. I think that we uh, we have a dandy on our hands between those two clubs, and I. I I think that it's it's going to be some great football, entertaining. It's going to be South American football at its best, and yeah, this is we're gonna we're gonna see some some great things. We'll have to see as well uh, our predictions, what happens, and yeah. But in, you know, any final thoughts? No, man, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm shocked. I kind of forgot about Libertori. I mean, of course, I would know the day of, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited for that match. Finally, I want to see Cavani. Lift a trophy. Uh, I will be pulling for him. And yeah, man, I, I'm 
I'm telling you, the world will be shut down in South America for that match. For those two hours or three hours, if it goes into extra, all eyes will be on Copa Libertadores. Awesome. Great stuff. All right, Nick. Well, until next week, I'll bid you farewell, and uh, we will talk some footy next week, same place, same time. Have yourself a good weekend. Absolutely. See you guys. Mm-hmm.